Hello and welcome to Capital Ideas. This is where we sit down at the Capitol with members of the Majority Democratic Caucus in the Washington State House of Representatives and talk about ideas. In just a minute, we'll hear from Representative Tana Sen. Tana lives on Mercer Island and has served her neighbors in the 41st Legislative District since 2013. In Olympia, she's one of the most effective advocates for children, and that's what today's Capital Ideas is all about. Before we begin, I need to make a correction. We recorded this conversation earlier this winter, and we talked about the work of the Early Learning and Human Services Committee. Since that time, that committee has been renamed. It's now the Human Services and Early Learning Committee, and it has a new chair, Representative Tana Sen. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Tana. I really appreciate you giving us a few minutes today for Capital Ideas Encore. It is my pleasure to be here. You're a member of the Early Learning and Human Services Committee, and among the the many things that you deal with in there are children's issues, mental, emotional health, well-being, as well as physical health. And I want to talk to you about the work of that committee and particularly your own work. When I first got into the legislature, that was one of the key committees that I wanted to serve on. Uh, One of the things that I really ran on and that I have been focused on is looking at issues that affect working families and child care, uh, definitely one of those key issues. So I was thrilled to be on the early learning and human services since the very beginning of my time in the legislature. I have worked a lot on child welfare issues, uh, whether that's foster youth or child protective services. Um, And then it really also led me to work very much on children's mental health services. If you had to pick two pieces of legislation from, let's say, the last couple of sessions, which ones stand out to you? Mm-hmm. One of the most important bills that has come before the legislative session in the past few years has been the creation of the new Department of Children, Youth, and Families. Children's issues were part of the Department of Health and Social Services. It wasn't a cabinet position, so it didn't rise to the level of being at the table uh, in the governor's office or in the governor's budget. And there were so many other issues that that department focused on that child welfare issues and early learning really did not get the attention they deserved. So creating this new department is exciting to bring together issues around kids, again, child welfare, early learning, juvenile justice, um, to make sure that we're dealing with not only treating problems for kids, but getting to the prevention component uh, before problems arise. That saves a few dollars in the long run, it would seem to me. Absolutely. It's a smart investment. It's good for kids and communities and for the state budget. How do you go about preventing as well as trying to cure, if that's the right word, as early as possible, the kind of mental and emotional problems that kids might be having more of now than they used to? We've learned a lot about brain development over the past five or 10 years in the legislature, certainly over the past few years. And what we really see is the importance of development in the first five years of life. And so bonding with a parent, having that emotional connection, um, having good nutrition, having interactions that get the mind going and thinking and really engaged is critical. And as the legislature learns about that. We see how important early learning is and that it's not just childcare where you're parking a child, but it's really making sure we're developing their mind, that we're developing their emotions. Again, the connection to a parent or a guardian, the emotional connection of how to regulate themselves and understand their own emotions, how to have empathy, 
all of that is so critical to making sure that um, their kids can have the executive functions that they need as they get older and into adulthood. So we know to, for kids to be ready to learn at kindergarten and ready to go throughout the rest of their life, those first five years are critical. It seems like a lot of this kind of child development is the kind of thing that, at least in, a, in an imagined past, was handled within a nuclear family or, at, at best, within an extended family. And now, obviously, you work in the state government, and so the kinds of programs that you're advocating involve the government interacting with kids and families. How is that being received in the community that you work with? I remember learning uh, or hearing the phrase that we have to legislate and focus on policy around what is what is actually happening and not just what we wish were happening. So if you think about teen pregnancy, sure, it'd be great if teens uh, didn't get pregnant, but we have to make sure that we address the fact that they do. Uh, and same, I think same with, uh, with kids and helping families really early on. It would be wonderful if a nuclear family could provide all that is needed for a young child. But in today's day and age, we have to recognize that too many families have food insecurity. Uh, there's many single parents. Extended family is much less prevalent. People are living uh, much farther away from their extended family, so you don't have those grandparents and siblings and aunts and uncles stepping in. And uh, there's a lot of stress, again, financial as well as emotional stress. And so we have to recognize that we need to make sure that kids have all the footing that they can have, that this strong foundation whether or not we think a family should be providing all of these services, we have to make sure that the child is receiving them. And so that is where we need to, to step in and be a partner with the family. Rather than being in some sort of intrusive element. Absolutely. And there there's always discussion and argument back and forth across the aisle about what is intruding and what is providing. And, you know, I think there has to be a balance. But really, again, we have to make sure that we are focusing on what is the best for the long-term outcomes for the kids. Since you mentioned across the aisle, I want to jump over to another issue, which is your work that you do with Representative Tom Dent, a Republican from Eastern Washington. And I know that just in the past year or so, you too have been sort of co-recognized by at least a couple of noteworthy organizations for the work that you do with kids. I don't want to put you on the spot, but could you tell us about those honors that you and Representative Dent have received? Representative Dent and I have been working on a work group called the Children's Mental Health Work Group, and it was bringing together stakeholders and leaders from across the state to focus on mental health in early learning settings, in K-12, and in the healthcare arena. The work that we did uh, was the first of its kind, certainly in the state, brought together stakeholders. We came up with about 100 recommendations on how we could improve access to mental health services for kids. And we passed a number of pieces of legislation based on those recommendations. And given this strong bipartisan work, the American Academy of Pediatrics recognized us with our with their Child Health Advocate um, Award for for the year, so their national award, and it was really quite an honor. And I think also really an emphasis showing that children's mental health, mental health, and children's issues uh, independently as well should and are really bipartisan issues. And since you didn't mention it, I'm going to point out also that the Save the Children Action Network has named you a champion for children just in the very recent past. 
They have. I've been very honored with that. And the disabilities community has also been very generous with their recognitions. Thank you, Dan. Getting back to kids now, one of the things that that we see, at least in the papers, is overprescription of drugs for children, and particularly Ritalin is the one that's mentioned the most often. What's your take on this issue, and is the legislature involved in this? A couple of years ago, uh, we passed some legislation to make sure that we were taking a much closer look at psychotropic drugs and how many were prescribed to youth. And you would have been shocked to hear how many one child could be taking. And so now what is required is that if a doctor is going to prescribe a psychotropic drug to a young person, they have to get a second opinion. And in fact, it's a very specific line that has to approve the prescription. And so that they're looking at the interplay between the drugs, making sure that their youth are not being overprescribed. Um, and we're getting a much better handle on psychotropic drugs. I want to ask you again to talk a little bit about yourself, and that is you were the original chair of the legislatively created Children's Mental Health Work Group. Uh, Tell me about the work done by that group. It was really amazing pulling together so many from the community, tribes, pediatricians, other doctors, child welfare advocates, foster parents, parents uh, of of troubled youth, just a whole collection of people. And we focused on issues around workforce and who do we need to be working in mental health and what are some of the needs around workforce, because we know that has been a big issue, um, not having enough. We looked at what's going on in the education field in terms of kids getting access at school to to mental health services. And then in early learning, we know that actually kids are expelled from early learning childcare preschool settings three times as much as they are being expelled from K-12, which we know is too much as well. And really they're around behavioral issues, which tend to be related to mental health issues. So we were looking at all sorts of issues in that domain. And um, again, it came up with about 100 recommendations that we're still working through in order to try and reduce paperwork for mental health professionals, increased child psychiatry fellowships at UW and WSU, making sure that we're developing a mental health consultation line and program for child care workers to get information instead of feeling alone or feeling like they have to expel a youth. So we really looked at a whole slew of issues and were able to pass two or three pieces of legislation already addressing a number of those components that have uh, we're already seeing making an impact on the on the field. Talk about seeing something making an impact. I know that if 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 a legislator proposes uh, on the transportation committee, let's say a new bridge, or if a person on the environment committee somehow manages to advocate for reduced carbon levels, and we can measure that and see the carbon levels going down, that's a way of measuring progress. Do you see progress being made in this broad issue that you've been focusing on, and how do you see that? I would look at it in two ways. One is the individual impact, and as we were talking earlier about brain development, we know that the impacts need to be immediate because children's brains develop so much in the first five years that if we wait, if we delay involvement for another 
four years or while we're studying something or while we're trying to work on something, we're going to miss a whole generation of kids and miss their entire five years of brain development. So we wanted to make sure that we really get in there with some quick and immediate impacts to help kids. And then we look at things like a decrease in child welfare calls or increased readiness for kindergarten or talking to pediatricians about what they're seeing in their office around the health of their youth and them getting services. But there are so many external factors. Washington State is growing. We have an opioid epidemic. There's food insecurity. So just as, sometimes just as much as we're solving the issue, we're also seeing on the other side that we're increasing the problems. Well, here's a problem. I know that in parts of the state, kids have not had access to pediatric care because of financial problems. And one of the things that you were involved with, with other members, was getting an increase in the amount that pediatricians would be reimbursed for treating children. One of the shocking things that we heard was that for some low-income families, they would have to drive upwards of three hours just to find a pediatrician who would see them who would accept Medicaid. And so what we heard from the pediatricians was that we were not reimbursing them nearly enough to allow them to maintain their practice and see low-income families. And so we increased uh, the rate for reimbursement for pediatricians who saw Medicaid patients. This was really championed by Representative Chapman. And we saw an immediate response. We saw pediatrician offices reopen or increase their staff in order to take more Medicaid patients. And that is absolutely critical. And it was a big win. Now I want to get totally personal and ask you, why do you care about this issue? When you came to the legislature, I know you said this is something you focused on. And I know that it's something that you worked on prior to your election. And you're on the Early Learning and Human Services Committee. But Why this particular issue as opposed to any of the other issues the legislature deals with? Why is this your special? Right before I became a legislator, my mom, my dad, and my grandma all passed away in a 13-month period. That was really hard on me, but frankly, it was really hard on my kids, who were very young at the time in elementary school, and they were frankly worried about who was going to die next. We were really lucky that there were school counselors at our kids' schools, and they would meet with their classmates while we were away at funerals and work with them on talking about empathy and to recognize the kids' sadness and to, you know, write letters of condolences and not to not to ignore their grief, but to to recognize it and to give them the right words to talk about it. And they, you know, would uh, have lunch with my kids and check in with them. And that really made me realize that and notice that not all schools have school counselors and to recognize the value of those services. And especially for my kids who had a supportive family and who had resources and made me think about families that are homeless or who, you know, don't have those kind of supports at home and in their communities and the the importance even more so of having a school counselor, having social-emotional learning services, having uh, people coming together as a community to wrap around our youth. And so that really brought me to the Early Learning Human Services and certainly a passion for children's mental health. I appreciate you meeting with us again today to talk about these issues. And I want to find out before we close, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think you might want to talk about? 
Sure. I just want to say that our work on children's mental health has only begun. And it's amazing, again, to think that we are kind of leading the state in having our attention on this issue when there is still so much to go. So during this interim, we've been working on really focusing on education and what can we do to provide more services in schools around mental health. We're going to be continuing to look at the workforce issue and how we can make sure that we support people going into the mental health field. And we're going to be making sure that we are providing whether it's uh, trauma-informed care or mental health first aid or other services to staff people dealing with youth to make sure that they can recognize signs and know what to do to help our kids. Mental health, as we know, is a huge issue for our state. And sometimes we're so focused on adults, but we got to make sure that we go upstream and work on prevention uh, as well. I wish you luck, Tana. Thanks so much, Dan. I've been talking with Representative Tana Sin of the 41st Legislative District, and this has been Capital Ideas. Thanks, Dan. There you go. Another interesting and informative look at how your state government works. If you feel like it was worth your 15 minutes, I hope you'll subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats, and I thank you for listening.